From Relay FM, Happy New Year. This is Upgrade, episode number 70. Today's show is brought to you by Casper and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the 2016 version of Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you feeling today? Do you feel ready to go for the new year? I I do. It is that moment where um, uh, you're you you gotta become engaged in the new year. The the holiday break is over. Um, I had to set my alarm last night, which was interesting because I haven't done that for the last two weeks because I mostly set my alarm so that, you know, as as you know, I work out of my house. I could pretty much get get up anytime, um, but the, I got to get the kids up and off to school. And uh, so I had to do that last night. I was like, oh, yeah, alarm clock. And I woke up this morning when the alarm went off and I thought, wow, it's really dark <laughs> because I've been waking up a little bit later. But that's OK. It's sort of after a couple of weeks, I think it's a good feeling to get back in the back in the swim and I feel like ready to go and enthusiastic about about doing it so that's good for me how about you yeah yeah feeling pretty good I mean I'm still I decided to like ease in today you know I'm like in the transition period because sure. I've been kind of working all the way through the break anyway just not as much as usual uh, but now I'm back on regularly regularly scheduled programming this week which we haven't been for ah, yes. the last two weeks so that's going to be the yeah. the interesting part of coming back from this break because I haven't done that in the last over a year I haven't really taken a break where I've been at home um, and because even when I go on holidays the majority of the time I record everything in advance or something like yeah. that. But this one has been just, just straight out like we're just not doing them for a couple uh-huh. of weeks on a couple of shows and that's been that's been nice. Uh yeah. but I'm happy to get back into it. It's it's at, at uh, IDG. We used to have uh, they used to sort of give us the week between Christmas and New Year's off. And uh, doing this myself, I can't do that. I, I I've enjoyed kind of working a lighter schedule, mm-hmm. but but I um you know I I also am not abandoning. We used to like have a bunch of people would sign up for like a half day where they would be monitoring the websites and posting some stories and stuff. And that's how you cover the break. And of course, when it's just me and Dan has been on vacation, so uh, it, it was literally just me at Six Colors. So I've been doing a little bit of work on that and I had some podcast stuff to do, but it was a light schedule and that was kind of, that that felt fine. That was kind of enjoyable that it was just a, a reduced schedule. And one of the nice things about not having um, all the ads sold, uh, a lot of times ads don't, People don't want to buy, buy ads after Christmas because they want to market before the holidays and not after. So um, I was very happy to make the decision with Clockwise, for example, to not do episodes the last couple weeks of the year. It, it, nice to have a break. And now mm-hmm. we'll spin it back up and, and get going. But that was by not selling the ads, we had the option of doing those shows or not. And during the course of the year, we would still do shows without sponsors just because uh, it, consistency is important. But at the end of the year, it felt like it was good. Take a little vacation from it and then come back fresh in the new year so it's a it's good to to be able to have that flexibility and to do some of that but now yeah we're back to uh full schedule as you say mm-hmm. fully scheduled talking about the holidays i received a, uh, a lovely gift package from you yes i'm glad you got it yeah it included a couple of things uh-huh. it had um some brain balls which is sitting on my desk mini brain balls we'll call them yeah, that was a uh, an incomparable uh, some some members of the incomparable crew. If they received a package from me, I ordered some foam brain balls and I sent those to people. So you also received some brain balls. But the most use them wisely. I will. I have it in my hand right now. It is my Good. new Excellent. kind of whilst recording fiddling with something toy. That's what it's for. Um, and you re- you sent me something that was very curious. I didn't really understand mm-hmm. what 
you had sent me until I unfurled it and realized... It's a very large uh, sort of canvas object, right? Yes, exactly. And I realized you had sent me an actual mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's true. I went on eBay. I had this flash where I was like, you know... What would be funny is if there was a mailbag I could send to Mike to celebrate mailbagging. And uh, I went on eBay and they had vintage U.S. Postal Service mailbags uh, and I bought one. Uh, actually, I had, I had that was my second auction that I had to do before I could finally acquire it. And then had to ship it to the U.K., which was a challenge and not, not cheap to ship things to the U.K. Nope. But in the end, the mailbag is in your possession. And it's big. I don't know what you're going to put in it, if anything, but you could put a lot of mail in that bag. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, at the moment, it hasn't got anything in it, but I might put, like, the, the, the mail I don't like can just go in that bag. It could be where all my bank statements go into the mailbag. Yeah. Thank sure. you very much for my mailbag. Yes, you're welcome. I'm glad. I, it was. I just uh, that was a good idea. Too good to pass up the the mailbag and a special a special thing for you and me. So I'm glad you got it. Should we do some follow up? It's a great idea. Uh, this is all follow up mainly from a couple of weeks ago because uh, obviously we did the uh, illustrious upgradies last week. Um, Angus wrote in to say, and this is in response to somebody from a previous Ask Upgrade segment about having a stuck app update on the Apple TV. Angus wrote in to say, to force a TV app update, you can go to the apps page in the app store and update directly from that page, right. which kind of makes sense, right? So something stuck, you you know, because it won't because it's got an update pending go to the store and it instead of letting you download it again it will let you download the new update which is a that's a good top tip there from angus although i have not run into this mainly because i don't use many apps on yeah. apple tv nor have i uh felt the need to to do an update that would be like you find out that there's an update and um and then and that enables something and why don't i have that feature oh i guess maybe i need to force an update and i've never had that experience on the apple tv because i'm mostly just sort of using it there aren't any uh apps that are cool enough really i think you know that, that have got like exciting enough features right now which are compelling you to force these updates but right. I, I do believe it will change eventually sure sure Listener Jason wrote in to say, um, I wanted to make a plug for Mike's choice of 1Password for Mac because of 1Password for Teams. So Jason wanted to just point out the greatness of 1Password for Teams. Now, I have not actually yeah. used this yet, Jason, but I believe that you have. I've used it a little bit. I set up one, uh, a team for the Incomparable Incorporated. Uh, right now, there's a, there's one vault in there that is for uh, all of our kind of uh, sort of... Uh, it's like bank and, and corporate credit card and uh, log into other kind of data stuff that my wife and I both use because she's sort of the uh, the the CFO um, of the of the company. She's she's got a, a business degree and she she does the payroll and all of that stuff. And so this way, instead of me sending her a password or 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 her sending me a password, we have a shared vault. And then I also have a vault for hosts that I haven't rolled out to people yet because I've been waiting for this to roll out across all the one password apps. But um, I have a lot of hosts who need to know the logins for the the FTP server where you 
you upload your podcast files and for the CMS where you post your podcasts. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put those in the host vault and share that with the hosts so that they have access to that instead of me um, having to, you know, tell every new host, here are all the passwords for all the logins that you need to do this, you know, as a, as a guest host. Instead, I'll just be able to say, let me invite you to the one password vault. So it's fun. It's a nice idea that you can share um, different at different levels of access with people in your uh, in your work uh, work group, uh, and then it sort of it just kind of melds in with your one password, your personal one password vault. When you you can separate them out if you want, but you can also just I think by default it's all vaults. And so when you search for something, if it's in your your uh, your team vault or it's in your regular vault, it all works together. It's very cool. Yeah, this, this is something that I really should um, look into a little bit more because me and Stephen obviously share a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of logins. And usually what happens is we just iMessage each other the 1Password links, right, to add them to our individual accounts, like our 1Password apps. But it probably makes sense for us to look into 1Password for Teams. It seems like a good solution. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. If you need to share in, secret information in a in a work group, that's what it's for. And uh, Steve wanted to write in to share some artwork that he and his daughter had uh, created in the pigment coloring app uh, following yeah. our upgrady suggestion for pigment yeah. um, as the best new app of the year, which has reminded me, I will put in the show notes, Jason, uh, a link to some of my favorite uh, work that I have done um, nice. in, in the pigment app. Oh boy, it, do I love this app so much! It looks like so. Is pigment? T- are the things that you can you can color in pigment? Are those specially kind of marked up so that it knows where the borders are and things like that? Oh yeah, um, yeah, yep. So it it's not just because my 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 initial thought was it's too bad that you can't like take a picture of something and then color that in yeah of a piece of paper. But it seems like what they're doing is some special markup information about about sensing you know all the lines and all the regions and things like that in order to make it a better experience yeah it is 100 percent that like yeah. there is a mode where you can click inside of an empty field um and if you just color you don't go over the lines so like they're right. doing analysis to work out the the specific areas and plus the way that the app works it's a subscription that you pay and you get new books as they're right. generated um or as mm-hmm. they're added into their library um but yeah, it's uh, that's how it works, and and yeah, it would be quite nice. I think someone should still make that app, um, but that seems a little bit more tricky as to how you get that. You'd still have to buy the books, and then you have to take the pictures, right? So, right. Have uh, you taken a look at my at my pigment work there? I'll put a link in the show notes. Jackson. Oh, I have. I haven't. You want me to? Yeah, I just I just want you to, to, to appreciate. Judge wow, the beauty. Wow, these are, these are four nice. of my favorites. They'll be in our show notes if you want to find them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. The lion one is the one that I like the most. I worked really hard on that one. So it looks great. I love I love this coloring, man. It's fantastic. It's so much fun. All right, let's do some follow out. I have a couple of little things that we want to talk about. Uh, the first one is uh, relay related. Mac Power users, the institution that is Mac Power users, will be celebrating their three yeah. hundredth show in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and for this occasion, 
uh, myself and Stephen are going to be taking the reins and we're going to be talking to and interviewing Katie and David about the show and about their workflows and stuff like that. Nice. Um, and we want you guys to get involved. Um, so if you will tweet with the hashtag MPU300, uh, me and Stephen will be able to collect up those tweets and we'll be able to include your questions to Katie and David um, in honor of their 300th episode of Mac Power Users, which is kind of astounding in and of itself. It- we're talking about podcasts with really high numbers. Yes, the incomparable. We need to do something. Um, I I am considering fo- converting the incomparable to David and Katie's schedule, which is they do they do a bonus episode every month. Is that right? Yeah, they do f- like a live. It's MPU live. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking about that because I that, that's why I've gotten behind them. Uh, but it's <laughs> we're we're because there's cheating. Uh, you need to just do twenty bonus episodes in a week. Yeah. Well, we practically did that one for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that that's almost what we did. It almost killed me. It's be, you know, it's things that I edited that other people were on. We, we did post. If people don't know, we posted four episodes about Star Wars: The Force Awakens on the Incomparable in the course of a week after the movie came out. Uh, four different panels, four different hosts. I only hosted one of them, but so in the end, we we ended up with I don't know what that is seven and a half hours of people talking about star wars so uh but but this is this follow-out is not about that it's uh just i wanted to mention the incomparable 281 which was our latest episode posted over the weekend it's our year in review episode and there's a a few uh, things that are good about it. it is a long episode it's two and a half hours long the first hour is our uh most uh common panelists most popular panelists on the show talking about the things that they liked for 2015. So if you're looking for recommendations for great movies and TV shows and books and comics and other stuff, video games, uh, that uh, there's a uh, one of the listeners um, compiled a, all of the things that we mentioned and it's in the show notes, which is great because I didn't do it. I was too exhausted from putting it together. Um, so I think it's fun just on that if you don't regularly listen to The Incomparable. And then the uh, the second half of the show is uh, favorite moments of the and episodes from the podcast from the year, including a lot of very very fun uh, clips, which took a lot of time to put together, but is kind of fun. So it's a nice wrap up of 2015, uh, both stuff and also for the podcast itself. So people should check that out. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I'm nearly finished with the episode um, and I enjoy it immensely. Uh, the there's, whole... there's something very special at yeah, the very end the of the s- episode. Oh, I haven't gotten there yet. Good. The mm. Skeletor thing this time far exceeded my expectations. Um, just superb. Yeah, because that's for people who don't know, um, the, an ongoing story in our end of year wrap up episode. You can't episodes. even it's attempt to explain this, man. Been, well, I'll just I'll just say <laughs> Steve Lutz uh, many years ago uh, did a funny thing involving picking Skeletor in a draft that we did, and since then, in every successive annual uh, episode, he's picked as his favorite thing from the previous year. Um, well, the first time he picked Skeletor, him picking Skeletor, in every previous, uh, every successive episodes, every subsequent end of year recap, he's picked his picking of Skeletor from the previous year, hoping to create a recursive clip loop that would consume the universe, where it was just clips of clips of clips of clips of clips of Skeletor all the way down. But it has changed in various interesting ways over the course of the last four years. So that that usually is a plot point in the incomparable year in review uh, episode, and it is no different this year. But it's a very different take on it this year. And last up, before uh, we move into our little topics that we have this week, we have a smorgasbord ahead. Um, We've got an exciting week at Relay. We have uh, a new show launching called Canvas, 
Um, there's, it's I, not I listened to yet. the pilot just the other day. Yes, Relay FM members uh, got uh, access to a pilot episode. Um, but there is, this all going to be out later this week. Um, it will live at relay.fm slash canvas. There's nothing there yet because it's not live. Uh, the show is Fraser Spears and Federico Vitici talking about how to do things on mainly iPad, but iOS. And like the, they, they really go in depth into how to make things happen, how to live and work yeah. on iOS. And to take it one step further, the entire show is edited on iOS by Fraser. Yes. So he Fraser is recording on iOS and editing in iOS. Federico yes. isn't because I mainly won't let him so he doesn't have the equipment <laughs> that he needs uh because of our other shows. But yeah, it's it's a very, you know, they they're really they these guys they live and breathe iPad um and it is just going to be a fantastic show. And we have one other announcement later this week that will happen at the same time. Oh, that's exciting. I um as somebody who's using the iPad Pro a whole lot more, um, and my laptop a whole lot less. I'm, I'm even episode one. I there I wrote down a whole bunch of things because there were no show notes because it was just the pilot and not. It'll have complete show notes when it posts. Uh, just so many great ideas for ways of of doing things, as well as listening to the the experts uh, pinpoint with you know with pinpoint accuracy the places where iOS still falls short. And I think that's really interesting. This is not just a yay, yippee, iOS is great kind of podcast. They are using it day to day. They're in the trenches. They, they know where it's not good enough. And that was really interesting, too, because I had moments where I'm like, oh, so that's not just me. That's actually hard to do. Good to know. <laughs> so, yeah, Canvas, people should check it out. And I look forward to hearing your secrets. Yeah, it's, it's going to be another fun week. We yeah. like to do this. You posted week. a tantalizing image mm-hmm. suggesting... Some of the secrets that might be happening. Mm-hmm. But you never Twitter. know from the image. You'd have no. to be a very, very keen observer to get it. All right, so should we take a break? Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get for a fraction of the price that you'll find in stores. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms, passing those savings directly to you, the consumer. Because buying mattresses is so strange. You go to a store, you sit on a bed, completely dressed. You've probably even got your coat and shoes on. Well, I hope so. I don't know if they'll let you take your coat and shoes off in mattress stores. But nevertheless, it's just not the scenario. This is not the environment that you're used to when you're sleeping, when you're actually laying on the mattress that will eventually come with you to your home. This is a crazy way of trying to buy something that you're going to sleep on for the next 30 years by just maybe sitting on it for 30 seconds whilst somebody is looking at you. It's very peculiar. I don't know why it happens, but it does because there hasn't been a better way to buy mattresses until now. And that is what Casper is all about. Casper understands that buying a mattress online is kind of an interesting thing. They build in a bunch of great protections for you, like they have a 100-day return policy with free delivery and free return. So buying a Casper mattress online is completely risk-free, and their prices are fantastic. They have uh, twin size mattresses for five hundred dollars, full size for seven fifty, eight fifty for queen, and nine fifty for king. And all of Casper's mattresses are made in America with their one of a kind new hybrid mattress process that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. These two technologies come together for better nights and brighter days. It has just the right sink and just the right bounce. Casper has made sure that this whole process is fantastic. They ship it to you in an impossibly small box. You open it up at home so you don't have to be like horribly maneuvering a mattress around the staircase. They think about all of this stuff and they let you sleep on it 
for months, right? You get a 100-day return period. Absolutely fantastic. You should go and check them out for yourself. If you don't like them, you send them back for free, but I'm sure that you're going to. So go to casper.com slash upgrade. You will get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting that URL and using the code upgrade at checkout. So that's casper.com slash upgrade with the code upgrade at checkout. Terms and conditions applies. Please see the site for details. Thank you so much to Casper for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. All right, then, hey. Mr. Snell. So last week we did the upgrades and you mentioned the eddies. Yes. And I just, it was just, whilst I was thinking about this episode, I was like, I would like to know a little bit more about the eddies. Because the eddies are, they're kind of, a, they, and they have been a respected award in the Mac community. Something that I am trying to force with the upgrades. <laughs> so I feel like I need to know a little <laughs> bit more about the eddies. So for next year, uh, I can fully institute the upgradees as a completely prestigious and well-respected award ceremony. So what were the eddies and how did they begin? I just realized that as far as I can tell, um, that Macworld didn't didn't do the Eddie Awards after I left, which means that they left it. The last one was the 29th annual. I kind of can't believe they, they, uh, they <sighs> let it lay there uh, the year before uh, the 30th, but they had lost all their staff. So how would they have put it together? Um, that was a very difficult time for them. But, uh, but yeah, so for, for, so the Eddie Awards, I wasn't around when they started, but they, they were started. So Macworld and Mac user magazine back in the eighties decided to start awards. Um, Macworlds were the editor's choice awards and they called them the Eddie award and they got a statue that looks kind of like, uh, editor's Oscar choice Eddie's. Now yeah. I get it. I never understood that. And so, and, and the statue was kind of like the Oscar guy, sort of, but he's holding a classic uh, Mac above his head, and it's an actual statuette with a. Mm. I've got one right here. So maybe <laughs> next year, I the, the the just the PNGs that I send people are not sufficient. We need to actually make real statues or rosettes or something. By the by the end, we I think that was one of the problems that they had was that the statues cost a lot of money and the the marketing department got cheaper and cheaper. Mm-hmm. But um, but so we, and the Macworld had world class awards and it was I I don't really understand how the world class awards worked whether they were entirely editor's choice or or what you know whether they had a different process for it. It was a big process. We spent months compiling potential uh, award winners and the way it worked with a Mac user eddies was that uh the they weren't fixed categories every year sort of like the upgradees we would we would change it based on what uh you know where the interesting products were in the market and so we did that for a long time when macworld and mac user merged in 97 um there was a question about what would happen with the awards and i think for whatever reason uh the eddies won out i think because they were more iconic and interesting and the and macworld had not done a particularly great job of stewarding the world class awards they had, they it was okay and but you know the Eddie Award was like everybody wanted that statue and they liked they just they, so we kept it we, along with the mouse ratings which came from Mac user we kept the the Eddies from Mac user and and moved those over to Mac World and the same process happened so um so uh, you know over the years I would say that the process became a lot less time intensive because the staff kept getting smaller and it, it was a huge amount of time because uh, as a junior editor at Mac user I I spent a lot of time 
basically researching products for the Eddie Awards. And, uh, and we had, you know, we split it. We had like four different groups or five different groups of editors who met every other week to go through the potential nominees and all that. It was crazy. And then in the end, by the way, they, they there's like the proverbial smoke filled room where they go in and the, uh, <laughs> and the winner and the winners come out. And it was not like of a, a pure democracy it was very much like there would be debate and there would a consensus we we would attempt to reach a consensus and sometimes that would fail uh but in the end some something would get put forth um and then usually that list would then be uh, viewed by the editor-in-chief <laughs> and not entirely followed sometimes mostly but not entirely it was a it was a whole process it was it was not there's no way to pin it down either. It was a, it was a complex process, but, um, in the end people, you know, love being for a long time. We had nominees and, uh, and, and, uh, winners. Uh, eventually I think we just announced winners because being a nominee and not a winner was kind of lousy. But the reason they did it that way is that it used to be that the night before Macworld Expo in January, you would have, um, uh, an awards ceremony. And in fact, my first day on the job at Mac user in 1994, Four, I'm gonna say my first day on the job as a full-time employee was I didn't even go to the office. I put I, I put on a rented tux and <laughs> went to the award ceremony. That was my first day on the job. Ah, oh, so do we uh, need to like we need to get a venue now as well? Well, it's becoming the, very expensive. By, by the end, there was no ceremony. In fact, one year at Mac user, we just did it on AOL. <laughs> So it didn't. It didn't. Uh, we didn't always have a uh, have a ceremony uh, and a venue and 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 stuff like that. It's a digital age now. But yes, if we really wanted to class up the upgradees, we would we would put on uh, outfits and do a live stream. I think I suppose a video stream of us announcing the upgradees. So that's something for you to shoot for. All right. Think about that one. That's for, not uh, too difficult to do for for twenty for twenty sixteen upgrades. What we need is just a top half of a tuxedo each. That's, that's true. We could we could just have uh, nothing but our uh, our pants on and i mean pants uh so yeah no it's, that's uh, the wrong way around no anyway uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so uh yeah it's uh anyway it was it was fun um it, it was uh people people really vied for it it was a marketing thing uh they could put eddie a winner on their on their boxes did that help do you know like did that actually help these companies uh, who can tell? I, I think it was generally um, part of the marketing story was this is this is an award winner. This got a ra- yeah. ratings were the same way, right? Five five mice or five stars from MacWorld or whatever back in the day, and the awards. It's all cumulative. But there was a time when things were boxed, and then even in the latter day, just went on their websites to say that this is a legitimately beloved piece of software. I mean, people people liked it. And they also really liked the recognition. I mean, I still hear from people who who got uh those eddie trophies and just they love them and they um the the especially the smaller developers having that it's like that's their chance to win an oscar i mean it's the apple design award is the only thing le- left like that i would say in our industry yeah maybe i actually haven't gotten around to sending out the rosettes this for the for the upgradees of this year so uh, maybe i should do that maybe maybe i'll i'll be presently surprised and everyone will be very excited to receive their upgrades. The only person that has received their upgrades so far is Casey for ATP. I sent it to yeah. him. Casey was very excited because nice. he also took the one, one of you know the one that we went for. I think it was 
was it most disappointing or something like that? One of the awards that we gave was something that he suggested. So he felt yeah. that he won two upgradies uh, for mm-hmm. for some reason because that's just case. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Um, but no, he was influential. He was an influential, a thought mm-hmm. uh, leader, an leader. influencer well, in the know, upgradies process. He's a two time winner of an upgradey. Um, so you yeah, know, he doesn't need to be so greedy. Upgradey. That's what we we'll call mm. people that that are <laughs> multiple winners. Upgradies. This is getting very convoluted. Uh, Jason, yep. how was your 2015? Yeah, I put this in the document. It's the it's our little mini mini thing. I wanted to ask ask you how you're how uh, it's the beginning of the new year. I think it's worth a moment of reflection. Um, my 2015 was pretty great. This was my first year as a completely independent worker. Uh, first complete year, and uh, I think it went pretty well. I learned a lot. Uh, there's there are plenty of things to improve on. But uh, I was taking a walk with my wife. Uh, we were walking the dog last night, and uh, um, just before the rain started, uh, and uh, uh, we were talking about the the looking at the finances and doing the books from last year and all those things. And you know, it struck me that that you go into something like this and you 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 have hopes and you think that they're legitimate and based on reality, but you never know. And um and we came through the year and said, oh look, we didn't have to sell our house and move into the countryside and raid the ch- the children's college savings account and things like that. We you know we uh we did it and it worked and you know there's no guarantee for 2016, but in 2015 I was able to transition to not getting paid by an employer and uh stay afloat and that was great. Um and then on the on the podcast side, I I I haven't counted how many podcasts I did in 2015, which I'd like to do. The Incomparable as a network did 480 some episodes in 2014, 2015. That's uh, uh, 1.2 episodes a day or something like that. And I calculated out 17, 17 days of content that were posted on the Incomparable network in, in 2015. Um, and then there's, you know, liftoff and clockwise and upgrade over here that I was involved with, but I'm not involved with all of the shows over on incomparable. So that, that part I haven't figured out yet, but, uh, it was a very productive year. And one of the reasons I do that end of the year show for incomparable is that it's kind of fun to, to take a moment and look back and say, yeah, we did a bunch of stuff this year. You know, it's not, it goes by in a blur. And I think, I think it's, it's good to stop and say, um, you know, you, you, at, at some point, it's good to stop and reflect on what's happened. Otherwise, I think you miss it. You miss that it's very easy to downplay accomplishments and uh, meeting goals because you're moving on to the next thing. And so taking a, you know, when you get to the top of the mountain to take a breath and look around before you proceed down the mountain or up to the next mountain, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I had a pretty great year. Um, I ticked off a bunch of bucket list items, uh, which is kind of awesome. Like I gave my first conference talk at release right. notes, which I was really proud of. I think it went really well. Um, we got a couple of links from Daring Fireball, which is something I've always wanted. <laughs> uh, and John linked a couple of episodes of this show, uh, mainly just me and you complaining. Yeah, uh, which is which which <laughs> I do enjoy uh, quite a lot with you. Uh, in case the listeners hadn't noticed that already, um, the business has done really well. We had a great. Um, we, you know, we had a fantastic year. We grew so fast, um, and we did so much new stuff. Um, we brought on, I mean, our, our, 
host, a roster of hosts or a hoster, as I was going to call them. Yeah, hoster of roasts. Our hoster of roasts right now is superb. Um, I'm so proud of the amount of people that we have and all the people that put their trust in me and Stephen um, to host their content on our lovely home. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier with 2015. I know that uh, I want 2016 to have the same kind of feeling that I'm very, you know, very happy about. Uh, but for the love of all that is holy, I cannot take <laughs> the amount of work again because uh, I don't think I would be able to cope with it. Like, you know, we, we couldn't be twice the size, right, Like that we are already. It just wouldn't scale. Uh, 20, right. So 2016 for me, in a lot of ways, is about like scaling back and looking at time and trying to, you know, analyze it a bit better. You know, I've made some changes to my schedule. Like Inquisitive has gone away. Um, upgrade is every two weeks. Not no. upgrade. Analog. I'm sorry, it's a tor- terrible way to tell you. Uh, analog is every two weeks. No! Yes, uh, you know, analog as fortnightly. It's joining yeah. Liftoff as an excellent fortnightly series. Upgrade remains weekly. Yes, upgrade unless we decide weekly. to do the Mac Power Users thing and just do a fifth episode out of spite or something. <laughs> but we're looking at probably not. But you know, so I'm. I, that's kind of what my 2016 goal is. Is about like using my time more effectively because 2015 yep. was such a great foundation year. Um, I can now build on that going forward. Well, yeah, and and you guys with Relay, you guys built the business, um, and dealing with growth is a, I mean, that's a challenge with all businesses. And you know, you did a lot of this stuff, you and Stephen, with your own, you know, with your own two hands. And at some point, you have to either manage the growth, you have to pick your spots, or you have to, um, or or you have to, well, manage the growth. You have to figure out a way to grow without just using the power of your own will and Stephen's own will, because you will run out of that. Yeah. And so you got to start to use it wisely, and and uh, and yeah, it's a it's a challenge, but it's a good kind of challenge. It's a good kind of challenge to have to see how how well Relay has done. That that's been one of my highlights, I would say, of 2015 too, is getting to be a part of of that process and uh, and talk to you guys and work with you guys about how you're growing relay that's been a lot of fun too so i've got podcast networks to the left of me and to the right of me but uh it's been it's been are. it's been fun stuck in the middle with dan <laughs> with podcasts <laughs> Uh, an interesting thing happened a couple of days ago uh, that is definitely <laughs> sitting quite beautifully within your wheelhouse, and that is Twitter for oh. Mac got updated. I uh, lost that that bet. I should have made a bet with somebody. Well, I shouldn't have. About Somebody could have come to me and said, I bet you by the end of the year there'll be a major update for Twitter for Mac, and I would have laughed and laughed and laughed and then lost a lot of money. December 30th. Because, <laughs> yeah, they around. slid it out there at the end. It, it almost felt contractual. Yeah. Like for some reason, and there are there are, there's it's not even a rumor. I, I've had several people say it's not it's not a rumor. It's true. There was a, a third party developer who was contracted to do this app by Twitter. Twitter didn't want to use their own internal developers, and people were complaining about that. I don't know. That sounds actually kind of kind of brilliant to me. I mean, if Twitter had a whole team of iOS developers and couldn't really, or of uh, of Mac developers and couldn't do it. Uh, if Twitter's internal development processes are falling apart uh, for a lot of this client stuff, then taking the money they'd spend on internal developers and hiring a developers, you know, a, a developer shop to do it for them, it's not necessarily a bad idea. Um, and apparently, that's what they, they they did. There was a rumor that it was Black Pixel. I don't know if that's true, but they do a lot of contract work that they can't talk about because it's for clients. So it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me for clients who want to not talk about who built their app for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it definitely seems like it was an outside developer of some sort. 
And uh, I think it's an interesting move. I I, um, I wrote a piece on Six Colors that we can put in the show notes about it. I think it's it's fascinating because it's got some things that feel very new, and then it also has uh, some it has bugs and weird interface things. And uh, so my my initial thoughts about it were very much like it's great that there's a new version. It's got a lot of problems. I hope that they're going to do updates from now on. That that's my big fear with it, is that they put it out the door. And especially if this is a contract job, that they walk away. <laughs> I have some. I have a super weird theory about this app, like which is very strange, and, and I can't really reconcile in my brain why it would work this way. But it definitely seems that way. Is that even though Twitter has outsourced this application directly, is the new Twitter for Mac, that it seems to be using the API that all other third-party developers have access to. Because it doesn't have any of the first party features like polls, cards, hash flags. This was pointed out by Jeremy from uh, Emojipedia. Um, I saw him tweet it today. Like it seems like they have the same limitations. I think that's not entirely accurate because the notifications tab has all of that activity that you see on Twitter that I believe you can't access via the standard API. There's a way to build it though, because Tweetbot did. I mean, and I think that they have some server infrastructure in place now to manage all of that, but but I think it's not I, I don't know. My my impression is that there's more detail in the notifications tab than is available to a standard third party app. But um but yeah, it's possible. Well, let's 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 just call out the irony of the fact that Twitter killed third party apps or tried to tried to kill them slowly over time by all of their restrictions, and then they went to a third party developer to develop their app. Yeah, How about I mean, that? There is there is <laughs> a, a, a kind of a precedent being set now in which it looks like they are attempting to undo some of that. Also, one of the reports that we saw from people who say that they know, people who used to work at Twitter, that I saw kind of stream by on Twitter, uh, is that this was a back and forth inside Twitter. Like, let's not do a Mac app. You know, let's not update it anymore. No, let's do it. No, let's not do it. No, let's do it. That that there was a there was a lot of back and forth about this. And what I wrote on on MacWorld, and I don't know whether they saw that, and I don't know whether that was just one little you know added added poke at them along with all the other ones they were feeling or not. I, as a writer, I kind of assume that that uh, although people can see my stuff, it very rarely has an impact on on decision making. Yeah, I mean, you uh, don't want to start thinking that way because then, exactly then you right. end up with an ego that's too big to fit for the exactly front door. Exactly right. So I don't know. I, I don't know. But I will say, so with no linkage in t- intended here at all, um, what I wrote was that Twitter either needs to embrace uh, the, their job as a steward of their platform on various uh, operating systems, or it needs to get the hell out of the way and let third parties, because, you know, there are third parties who will be happy to make great Mac apps, and some already exist Tweetbot for Twitter. Great. I know you don't like it. But, but Tweetbot for the Mac is fantastic. It's very impressive. And you know what? Um, I love Twitterific on iOS. And the reason there isn't a great version of Twitterific on the Mac, and it's just the old version that's been around forever, is because of what Twitter did to the developers. That Icon Factory can't bother to invest in it because it's not worth it to them because of what's happened. So So, you know, again, pick one. Either make a world-class, amazingly good Mac app or just let the developers make good Mac apps because they already are. Just get out of the way. Let them make some money. Let them follow your guidelines. And and, and so I don't think that this this release of Twitter for Mac 4.0 really tells us anything. It's a mystery. Like, is this a commitment or is this like a last gasp? Are there going to be bug fix updates ongoing? Because 
this is a good start. They they have some design issues. I mean, I, I wrote about it in, the, in that piece that we that we linked to um, that I mentioned earlier. It's it's really spacey. It's got lots of lots of white space, and uh, given that two thirds of the Macs that are out there are laptops, that seems like a mistake to just take up huge amounts of space. The tweets are huge. The uh, the the space between the little icons and the toolbar is huge. There's some fundamental bugs like. Um, you can you can set notifications about like whether you want to see it when there are new tweets in your timeline or just replies or something like that, but they aren't honored by the accounts in the sidebar. You know, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of weird things that again, if this is the beginning of ongoing development of Twitter for Mac, uh, is fine. But I'm not. We'll have to see. I'm not sure, given the the stories here, that that that's true. Because if it's an outsourced thing, is Twitter paying that company to continue developing it? Is that part of the story? Um, the fact that it got kind of slid out at the end of the year makes me a little c- concerned that perhaps it is a contractual thing, like it needed to ship in 2015 for contract reasons or for payment reasons, uh, tax reasons. I don't even know, but um, maybe it's a coincidence, but it just, I'm not convinced that this is a commitment to the Mac by Twitter. And it gets us back to what we've been talking about uh, throughout 2015, which is what's the commitment level here? Because Twitter, for me, I have to use an app to use Twitter and I'm on, I'm at my Mac a lot. And, um, and so I'm not going to just keep it in a web page. It's not going to happen. That's why I don't use Facebook, is that I'm not going to keep loading Facebook in a web page. That's why I go to it occasionally. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird story. It continues to be weird what Twitter is. Uh, is. So I, I'd like a clear signal from Twitter. And maybe this is it, but we won't really know until we see whether this thing sits for a year or whether it gets uh, updates every you know month or two. It doesn't have all those things though. It does have, I mean, let's, it doesn't have polls and cards and things like that, but it does have like native, native tweet quoting and support for animations and videos, things that, that are not new features on Twitter, but that the Twitter for Mac app didn't support. So it does actually support a whole bunch of Twitter features that were not previously supported. But then there are all these other features that it doesn't support. And Jeremy's right. It's it's the stuff that um, basically just uh, renders in web views and uh, is not in any of the apps. So I have like, my, my, when I look at this, I see that this is a sign of Twitter deciding that they are going to do something. Because you're not going to... Well, I mean, who knows? But you'd like to think they're not going to pay the amount of money, which is probably a large amount of money, to have this thing built if it just is. This is all it is, um, and there probably is an element of updating that is going to be required. And the reason that I look at this and can see that it came out in the way that it did is this project's been in the works for an amount of time, and there was a contractual agreement to have it something out before the end of the year, and that's why it's the way it is because it is in some ways regressing from the previous app, like in bugs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. a lot of them are like, compl- like just having a look at some of the stuff. Like I've included uh, a link in the show notes to Federico's piece on Mac stories. And he includes some tweets and vines from people who are finding bugs and they're just bugs you'd find using the app. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I look at this and I'm like, no, this is probably the start of ongoing development of the Mac app, but there needed to be something before the end of the year. Because December 30th is a really weird time to yeah. release it's, something. 
it feels like a beta to me. Yeah. I mean, it just, yep. it feels like a beta. There's, there's a lot of weird things about it that it, it feels like a beta. And uh, that's not bad for it to be a beta, but it's not played as a beta. <laughs> it'll auto, it'll auto update. If you've got auto update Mac app store stuff turned on, your old Twitter app will just disappear and be replaced by this new thing that does not work at all like the old thing. Um, and uh, our our friend uh, Will Run for Fun in the chat room says, you know, why even have an app? They don't make a Windows app. I just use the web or TweetBot. Well, I, like I said, I think using the web is not a good enough thing for a lot of people on the desktop because uh, I think personally, I think using the web for Twitter sucks and I would like it in an app. Um, that that but But that's my large point here is I'm okay with Twitter saying, you know what, we're not going to do apps on PCs, on Mac and, and Windows. We're not going to bother. Um, but if they do that, I would like them to also say, it's a third-party opportunity. We have a we have a new developer relation. They can sell their apps. The, you know, here's what they have to do. The token limits are lifted. Go to town. We're, we're happy to have third parties uh, who want to be our partners on platforms that we're not supporting, but we're going to focus on iOS and Android. I'd be fine with that, but that's not what we have. We have a mystery about what will be the new direction of Twitter and what does this app mean? <laughs> is it a commitment to, to, to supporting more on the Mac or is it sort of a last gasp? We don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would like to see them at least do what you said like just say like you got the web or this third parties like that just makes more sense to me like why are twitter bothering why are they bothering to make desktop apps i don't un- I actually don't understand what the point of this app is it's like just right. use the web right and if you don't want to use the web go to a third party and they should be embracing that i'm okay with that i, I actually think <laughs> yes if i was managing at twitter that's probably what i would would suggest i would say you know what Mobile is super important and growing. Uh, traditional computers, not so much. And we're on the web there. Our web, our web client will always be, you know, our web page will always be fine. And there are developers who are dying to develop for those platforms, for, for Mac and Windows and whatever, Linux too. Sure. Anything you can find over there. Um, just let them. Let's let them. Yep. Let's let's revise our, our, our developer guidelines, set some rules in place, let them go to town. It'll be good for us. It'll be good for the users on those platforms, and we'll be done. Mm-hmm. And, and if we want to keep a tight grip on, or a tighter grip on mobile, because it's so important to us uh, going forward, fine. Make, make, that, make that call. But right now, it's just a mystery. Um, and somebody actually asked in the chat room, uh, Stoic Squirrel, excellent username, by the way, um, are the token limits still in place? And I think my answer is, as far as we know, Twitter has made no announcement saying we take it all back. Developers um, do whatever you want or that. I haven't I haven't seen anything about that. It wouldn't surprise me if Twitter has sent signals to some iOS and Mac app developers that the rules are flexible. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't know that. I haven't talked to any of them about it. They it have... Would- um... But they've been blogging recently and 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 they've basically what they've said um is that we hear you about yeah. that right that that's what they said like we understand about the token limits we get that we know it's a problem we hear you so they're not they're not ignoring it it, it implies they're working on something but haven't haven't made an announcement about it yet and yep. that's 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 fine um you know, I suspe- I suspected for a while now that there's a that you know the, there's some relationships at play here. Like Twitterific as an innovator and the inventor of the Bluebird 
represent Twitter and the inventor of the word tweet. I, I get the impression that they have uh, some special relationship with Twitter right down to the fact that they get to use the word Twitter in their app name. And that hasn't gone away. Um, but I don't know, you know, that there, that may be a very limited thing. They, they, who knows? I mean, how can you have a relationship with a company that keeps having all of these changes in direction and in management too? <laughs> your your so, relationship is purely a contract, which was a legal thing that you both agreed to. And that's that, that's what that relationship yeah, most likely probably is. Probably so. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, I'm using it. Um, I don't love it. Um, I might use tweetbot instead although i have issues with tweetbot too so um we'll see we'll see i, I i'm using it to get used to it and see uh, i want to i want to use it enough that a lot of the newness of it sort of fades away and then i can decide whether i like it or not but i do have tweetbot and um they're they're uh you know it, it's an it's an option they so. are whilst they have shown in the past that they can be slow in certain areas um tap bots are committed to the app and have yeah. shown that in a way that Twitter currently haven't. Right? No, and then maybe they need a bit more time, and it will be absolutely great. But right now, it, I think it's too early to say. Oh, it's just perfect. This is what I want. Oh, and I should say, um, people also bring up TweetDeck, which is also TweetDeck done by Twitter. TweetDeck is good for certain people yeah. who have very specific needs. You got that big Twitter dashboard yeah. that you're looking at because you're doing lots of stuff. But as a kind of day, the way I use Twitter, which is a little thing on the side of my screen that I can scroll through and then go back to what I'm working on, um, TweetDeck doesn't work for me. And also, I'm offended by the fact that it's got that multi-column interface, but because it's essentially a web page in disguise, um, no, I've said this before, I'll say it again. You know, it doesn't snap to the columns, so. Um, you know, you, you can't, if you set it to be like the width of one column, um, the scrolling, like it doesn't scroll to the next column. It doesn't set it to two columns. It sort of just is this continuum of, of various columns that you can scroll across. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a good Mac app. It's a, it's kind of a fake Mac app and it's good for people who want to do what it provides, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good client. There's somebody, I think one of the writers from The Verge said they should just kill the Twitter app and and uh, focus on on uh, um, on uh, the uh, oh, what what were we just talking about? I, I've lost the name. There's so many tweets and twits and bots now. Tweet deck. Tweet deck. Yeah. Decks. Uh, focus on tweet deck. I'm like, no, tweet deck is like a pro social media maven kind of tool. It is not a uh, it is not a regular person app. I, I do agree with that. I do think they should just kill the Mac app, work on TweetDeck, and give the like the reins of the Mac, the standard Mac app, over to third parties. That would be fine with me because TweetDeck could be a lot more than it is. Um, like Twitter could could own the market of the professional tools. There are a couple of other tools. I think Radian Six is one um, that is like a one of these social media management tools. Twitter should build that. Right and sell that to people, uh, like rather than what Hootsuite does and companies like that. Twitter should make that, and that's what TweetDeck should be. Um, and so I think they should put their efforts into that and just let Tweetbot and Icon Factory make the Mac app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there are there's some others out there I know that people like that are other Twitter clients that are third parties. It's fine. Um, I I that's what we I think that's what we all want and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know whether that's the best thing for Twitter or not, but it would seem to me, other than the fact that they have to create new guidelines and they have to maintain an API and a relationship with third parties, although they're already sort of doing that, 
um, they would have to put some effort perhaps into opening new API stuff for their new features when they roll out. But that seems like it should be job one, right? Here's a new feature and the API that goes with it. That, um, maybe they don't do it for experimental features like polls, which I think is still an experiment and doesn't work very well and might, might be a bad idea. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what they do, but that would be, I think that would be the best thing for them to do is on platforms where they don't care, just let the people who care work on it. And it benefits Twitter in the end because people are using their service. Just make everybody see your ads, man, and everyone's happy. Yep. Well, maybe not everybody's happy, but I think you get my point. CES uh-huh. is this week. Um, yep. We're kind of approaching day one. Uh, yep. You're going, you going to CES, Mike? Not this time. Oh, I'm not either. Now, you've been, We've. I think we spoke about this last year. You've been to CES a few times. Yeah. Um, I've put a, a link to a post from The Verge uh, where they're talking about the things that, you know, the trends that should be expected uh, this time around. Cars are probably going to be the biggest one. And there's, a, oh, nice. there's something that I'm very interested in. There are big rumors uh, that in Ford's press conference, which is at some point over the next couple of days, they're going to be uh, announcing a partnership with Google to build autonomous cars. This is heavily rumored um, and would be very, very interesting if that is coming to pass. It would mean Google is first. There was a story today that GM has invested a gajillion dollars into Lyft to help them build autonomous cars. It's definitely the thing. 2016 is going to be the year of the autonomous car. They're not going to be out, but there's going to be a lot of news about them. I think that's that's going to be the biggest trend this year. Um and so, yeah, just CES is coming. I've never been, right? I I know you have. I would like to do it one day um, just to see it. I just want to see what CES looks like. It's a really big trade show and a big parking lot and packed with people and lots of electronics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it. yeah, that's what it is. If you like crowds and lots of weird, crappy stuff... Uh, in aisle by aisle after aisle and then other places where it's just wall-to-wall TVs, CES is the place for you because it's got all that stuff. I hate it, but, you know, I can that's tell. fine. I hate it. I mean, it's, it's just terrible. a spectacle that I've always it is a seen from afar and have therefore been kind of just a little bit interested in what it is. You know, I'm just, like, curious to see what CES actually looks and feels like. Um, but not needing, I mean, I think it would be different going and not being in the situation of being forced to go to cover it. Like I would be going out of choice and I think that might make right. it a little bit easier for me if I did decide to do it. I am considering it for next year, just, just well, to see. I, so what I would say is, though, that if you go, you, you're going to have to cover it, right? If you go, you're going to have to bring a microphone or a little podcast set up and do some interviews and have it be live from CES uh, on Relay. I think you would need to do it that way. Yeah. But so, you know. but it, it's it's yeah it's it's fine it's it's a it's news that has to be covered and that's why we always covered it. I I find it very low, uh, low content for the effort. But if you target it, if you've got your meetings with your, with vendors, um, meetings with vendors who are announcing products is valuable at CES. Actually, I will say, look at me, I'm saying something positive about CES. Um, if you line all that up, because there are major announcements that are made there, and so if you've got that stuff. That's good stuff. The problem is if you end up wandering the show floor, looking for things, because there's very little. There's a lot of junk. And then there's diamonds in the rough. But the return on your investment for that, for for the the grind, and I hate wandering in crowds, especially like, um, like 
trade show crowds because they don't people are stopping everywhere and and they stop right in front of you and you're going to barrel into them and people don't behave like normal human beings when they're at a trade show um that's that's just it's awful it's a waste of time to do that but there there is a lot of of good news that comes out of ces and uh and so that's that's for me that's the difference is i actually think if you go there for the spectacle you'll be much more let down than if you go there uh with a lot of meetings and uh know what you're covering if you're covering the event anyway well the the best way to appreciate ces is from afar because you get to see the uh the announcements that are interesting it's nice for for large portions of the consumer electronics industry to make all their press releases drop in a in a few days because there's a big load of news and that's nice um very little phone stuff gets announced there though because that all gets announced at mobile world congress in barcelona instead uh in a in a month and a half or something like that Mm -hmm. so uh but it's so it's good to watch it from afar and i've already seen there was some news today about tivo doing a uh an apple watch app (laughs) that that, uh they appear to be announcing and that uh you speaking of ford it sounds like a ford sync 3 system that's their in-car entertainment system is going to support android auto and um carplay so um all the ford all the ford cars with that entertainment system next year at some point will support um both android auto and carplay which is kind of cool so there's stuff like that that will happen over the course of this week that'll be there'll be some really great news mixed in with all the crazy stuff yeah i i I, there are there is some cool stuff that comes out of ces right that that, that's just one of the things that will happen this week you're right like a lot of the the other types of things now like mobile world congress and things that and you know shows like that are splintering it a bit Yes. Um, which is making well, things and, different. And, and individual announcements. I, I think I mentioned this last year when we talked about it. Is a lot of the major vendors realized they, they that they could do what Apple does, which yeah. is call an, call an event and get people to come and cover it. Uh, own your own stage and your own environment and your and own And you're timeline. the only news of the day. You're yeah. the only news that day. Where CES, it's so easy to get lost in CES. So so if you're Microsoft or, or Amazon or Google, then you just don't, or, or Samsung... Even you know you just don't do it. You yeah, wait. that was the big news a few years ago, wasn't it? That um, that Microsoft pulled out because they always used to open CES, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. For a long time, it was really the Bill Gates show at CES. That's what it was. Was it was a Wintel kind of event? It was what what did, what what are Microsoft and Intel doing? And it was a big PC show. Um, and it's not that much anymore either. Their PC guys are there too, but a lot of TVs. <laughs> some cars i mean it's really like eight trade shows in one there's so many different things there and and a lot of it is not for the press or or general consumer it's for distributors um, to pick up products and distribute them in various markets and so that stuff is less interesting to everyone else too but uh but yeah if you're microsoft you just hold an event now and you don't need to bother with ces there will there will be some keynotes and things at ces where they're using the platform to get things out but you know that's the that's the beauty of it if you're microsoft or google and you've got a big thing to do you've got your own shows to do it or you've got your own you can call an event to do it drek and apple are going to announce anything this week they always do something <laughs> in the past they always have done some something during ces week just to prove a point i think it's possible it's possible i don't i don't know we would find out uh, Tuesday, probably. That's usually when they do those yeah. press release announcements. I I don't know. I don't know. They 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 may be moving away from that game too. They seem to. They did a lot last quarter, so maybe we're in a little quiet period yeah. for Apple here. 
that has got to be something. It's a fun thing to do, right? Like people are announcing stuff. You announce one piddly little thing, and it takes all the news away for an afternoon. Mm-hmm. That's it's you know, true. I mean, that, that is such fun. I would be surprised if they stopped doing it. But if they haven't got anything to announce, then they can't announce anything. Right? <laughs> but we'll yeah. see. All right. Are you ready for some Ask Upgrade? I am. This week's episode and this week's Ask Upgrade segment is brought to you by Squarespace. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code UPGRADE at checkout to get 10% off Squarespace. Build a beautiful with Squarespace. You'll be able to put a website on the World Wide Web that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level with no coding experience required. Squarespace is awesome for you. Squarespace is awesome for people you know. It's awesome for businesses. It's awesome for musicians. It doesn't matter what it is you you do or no matter what it is you want to put online, Squarespace is a great place to do it. They have state-of-the-art technology that they use to power all of their websites. They ensure security and stability, and they have intuitive and easy-to-use tools that will make building a website a dream and you'll be able to create that site that looks and feels exactly how you want and you do this with their fantastic templates and their WYSIWYG page building system. You can choose from very beautiful templates that are all, as I say, professionally designed and they don't look like stock things that you're going to find somewhere. You go to a Squarespace website, it just looks like a really nicely designed website and one of the key things that they do here is allowing you to customize things. You can choose from different fonts, different colors, different layouts, you can drag around widgets, you can have a gallery here, you can put a store over there because they have complete commerce uh, functionality the Squarespace commerce platform you can add a store to your site if you want to they have everything as I mentioned musicians you can have a little uh, audio player built into the site really is fantastic Squarespace back up all of their great features with 24-7 support with live chat and email and they have rock solid fast hosting and just so so much more you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required and start booting your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com their plan start at just $8 a month and they'll give you a free domain name if you sign up for a year and when you do sign up make sure that you use that offer code upgrade at checkout you'll not only get 10% off your first purchase you'll also be showing your support for this show Squarespace build it beautiful James wrote in um, he loved our discussion about the iPad Pro we did mention I wanted to say this a little bit earlier on I don't want to talk about it yet because I think I've We've killed people with iPad Pro Talk, but I really want to talk about at some point just how big a difference this device is making to the way that I yeah. work. We'll do we'll do a check in. I think I think giving it some time, not only giving yeah. people a little break from it, but giving some time for both of us to spend with it is uh, is going to be helpful. Like, um, I just want to say this. I want to make this bold claim: the iPad Pro is the best thing Apple did in 2015. Didn't we give it an upgradey? No. <laughs> We didn't have that category. Oh, <laughs> I mean, well. we gave it a category for our favorite thing, right? Yeah. But I just think flat out the iPad Pro is the best thing that they did. Um, and it's very surprising. Anyway, yeah. James said he feels that something that we missed uh, on iOS is that you can't tag photos with faces and keywords and stuff like that. And that is making it harder for him to use photos on iOS as com- compared to the Mac where he gets access to all of these features. And as I have called you many times, you are the Photos app man. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion about this? Uh, well, he's right. Uh, it, it's a limitation of photos for iOS that's not there in the Mac. There, there are a few things going on here. The keywords thing, I think that's a good point. Uh, there are UI questions about how you keyword 
batches of photos or individual photos and and are you doing that on on your phone but are you doing that on an ipad maybe you are but you know can we having having features missing from photos on ios is an issue if they're on photos for mac the faces thing is interesting um and and it goes back to the way that apple is handling face data apple isn't syncing face data and they they say that's a consequence of their uh, commitment to privacy issues that they don't want sort of facial recognition information being available publicly it stays on your mac and all that really gets tagged when you do um when you do iCloud photo library is uh, who the you know who are the faces in the individual photos, but the engine, the re- facial recognition engine, isn't in the cloud. It's on the Mac. So the question is: one, could they put that on the iPad or on iOS in general? They probably could, um, but there you go back to UI issues and are people going to be tagging faces um, on iOS or not? Uh, and then there's that question of syncing. You know, do you? I think I think Apple feels like they benefit from the most common use case being that you've got a Mac and iOS devices and there's the one Mac and that's where the facial recognition database lives. And it gets much more complicated when you have other devices that are also trying to run the facial recognition database. So I I think it's a complicated problem and I'm not quite sure what the solution is, whether it's moving it to the cloud um, or coming up with some other way for these devices to interact with the facial data. But it's true over time, you would like those features on, on the Mac to also be on iOS and they aren't. Um, I don't, I still have a, you know, a a Mac, so uh, I don't, it doesn't bother me too much and I don't use those features very often, but you know, if you were trying to go iPad only, and I think that that's not unreasonable, especially if the thing that is important to you is photos, that uh, it might be an issue. That's that's it. I mean, it's a naughty problem, and I don't know whether they're going to solve it uh, this year or not, because uh, Apple knows how often people use faces and keywords and photos, and they may figure that that's a power user feature that they're, that they're comfortable not ever putting on iOS. I don't know. When you look at the competition, Google gets to do a lot of really great things by having... Uh, brains in the cloud working on this stuff right so you know that's my my gut feeling is that they that maybe somebody at apple should make the argument that moving some of the face recognition stuff up on into icloud might be valuable but um that would only be for people who are using icloud photo library so i don't know i don't know it's a hard one that i think that's why it's not there is that this is a difficult problem because of where faces started which was on the mac Listen to Nick wrote in, um, is the iPad Pro comfortable to use all day? Do you use it flat or propped up on a stand? Do you have a sore neck from looking down? So using the iPad Pro more um, more than my iMac now uh, is basically meaning that I work from comfortable locations now. I yeah. work from the sofa a lot. I work from comfortable chairs. I work in bed. I just have the thing on my lap with the smart keyboard. That tends to be how I work now. Yeah, um, I, I have been, yeah, so I'll use it on, on the, on the couch, um, and, and, uh, when I'm having my first cup of tea in the morning in bed, uh, and then the other time that I'll use it, I'll sometimes use it sitting at my dining room table with a, with a stand, and sometimes I'll use it standing with the iPad on the, uh, the bar in the kitchen, which is a, a nice sort of mm-hmm. standing configuration, 
Um, and that's mostly where I'm using it now. I have a I have a sit stand desk here that I could put it on, but I I I tend not to use. I've got the computer out here. If I want to use, if I want to work out in the garage, I will use a computer. Uh, but if I go in the house, what I do is I use the iPad and not bring in a laptop. And it's a nice change of scenery. And uh, and so that's you know I, that works for me. If I was, I think that that's the beauty of the iPad Pro is um, I'm not using it in one location all day. I'm moving around with it. I'll be at the desk, uh, uh, or I'll be at the table, then I'll be up at the bar, then I'll be on the couch, then I'll go back to the table, and I'll kind of move around. And uh, I think that's one of the things that, that appeals about it. Definitely. Uh, listen to Luke. Might DVR capabilities be the reason for Apple's poorly explained fourth-gen TV storage options? Uh, I don't think so, because first off, I think that Apple doesn't want to make a DVR. Yeah, I think even when they do whatever it is that they do, it will be like Netflix. It won't be yeah. like TiVo. It's all going to be streaming, and if you want to do... Maybe there'll be a buffer, a stream buffer. If you've got a live TV service, there'll be a stream buffer. Or maybe it's a maybe the buffer lives on the server, right? And you, you can back through that uh that buffer that exists on the server for the live channel you're watching but i, mean, I expect uh, it to be very much like the bbc iplayer you can watch live and then everything else just goes into a catch-up catalog exactly and and so um apple's not going to build something with ca- a cable card in it or something like that for the u.s cable market it's not going to happen um and hd video is is um enormous so other than caches uh, that the Apple TV doesn't have the capacity to store anything meaningful. My TiVo has like a four terabyte hard drive in it. It's, um, yeah, the Apple TV is not <laughs> going to be able to handle it, and uh, it's not built to. It's it's also it's built for a world where everything is available streaming, and you stream your video when you want to watch it. Yep, I think that's what's going to happen. Yep. Okay, and then next up we have from Robert. Uh, did you mention a favorite Apple Watch charging stand? Uh, I don't use one, and I know that you do, so I thought we should probably mention it. Uh, yeah, and I haven't, um, I haven't checked out a bunch of stands, so I don't have a favorite. I bought the nightstand from Elevation Doc, you know, Elevation Lab, and I use it, and it's fine. There, there are probably other ones that are better. What I like about it is it, it, it's got the orientation properly to use it as a in, in nightstand mode, um, where it becomes your 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 alarm clock, and that's what I use now as my alarm clock is my Apple Watch. It's an, a, another benefit of being an Apple Watch user, and so that that's what I use. There may be other ones. What you want is a stand that lets you uh, uh, charge it and hold it sideways. So uh, although you can also just lay it on on the table. And that works too. I, I kind of like not doing that and having it on the little stand instead. But, uh, you know, d- is it essential? No, I don't think it is essential, but it's fine. It, it keeps my little charger in place. And that's what I like about it. And, you know, the, the magnet, I wish the magnet was stronger on the Apple Watch charger because it, it wiggles a little bit. But um, that's what I'm using and it's fine. Next up, we have a question from Ben, and Ben wanted to know, at what speed do you both listen to your podcasts? Uh-huh. Uh, ben recently went down to 1x, um, and everyone sounds so different than at 1.8, which I believe he's saying that he listened to previously. Hi, Ben. How Thanks are you doing? for your question. <laughs> I listen one tick up. 
usually in Overcast. Oh, you do. Maybe, maybe one or two ticks up. That's one of the reasons yeah. I love Overcast is it's the first app that I have uh, podcast app that I've listened to where the faster speeds don't sound don't don't have like weird artifacts. Uh, the, the on other the standard like audio method in order to speed up audio every i feel like you get these like tick 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 things that weird artifacts that happen and uh it's all smooth and overcast so a lot of podcasts i'll listen to one tick up maybe two um and then there are some podcasts where i where i refuse to do that um because like the flop house because they already talk so fast and i want to savor every minute of that podcast because it's one of my favorites some others though i'll speed it up a little bit like atp i listened to sped up and and lauren was listening to uh to one while i was uh while i was uh getting ready in the morning um i had it on a speaker and she was like is this sped up or do they really talk that fast and i said no that it's sped up <laughs> um but uh, I hear this from people. I, my my policy has always been no speed is supported other than one x. Like we we edit all of our podcasts and listen to them at one x. That's how they're meant to be listened to. If you want to listen at other speeds, it's unsupported. It may be unsafe. It may be a danger to you and your family. Be careful out there. What about you, Mike? I'm one x only with well, smart speed. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. just I just don't. I mean, sometimes even like with smart speed, like I hear the change. Yeah. Sometimes it will like pick somebody up and make them talk quite quickly for whatever reason, and I hear it and I'm like, mm-hmm. wish it didn't do that bit. Yeah. But like it's it's smart speed's really good at doing exactly what I want, which is just take out the silences and speed things up very very slightly, um, and that works for me because I like to listen at one x, and I only listen to smart speed because I can listen to basically one x and still save some time. Uh, I don't really like the idea of, of speeding up shows. It just doesn't... I've tried it, and it just doesn't fit with me. Um, yeah. I, I, just, I just, just don't like it. I, I like to hear it as it was intended to be, mm. you know. And, and I don't think silences are an issue, really, unless you're listening to, like, an NPR show. Like, I think I turn smart speed off when I listen to Serial or something because it's, mm. like, you know, dramatic pauses that otherwise you don't get. So. Right. Listen to Paula, what iOS or OS ten app do you use to make the beautiful links in the Relay FM show notes? Uh, we don't use an app. Uh, it is our CMS that does that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a cool bookmarklet in the CMS mm-hmm. that that uh, whatever the latest episode is that's in the uh, in the CMS, you can go to a page and click the bookmarklet and it sucks in the title and the URL and uh, that helps a lot. When we're when we're doing those, I have that set up for when I'm doing clockwise. Mm-hmm. Um, as people mention things, I'm navigating to the pages and clicking the button, and they get, it gets added to the show notes, which is very nice. That is exactly how I've been doing the show notes for this episode. Exactly, it works great, but it's just our CMS. If you've ever been curious, now you know. It's just our system that does it. Um, we're very proud of it. We love show notes. In case you hadn't guessed, uh, and yeah, you see, like you know, you'll get. Uh, last week's upgrade and last week's connected had mammoth show notes. You know, I was working on upgrade for like five hours last week. <laughs> yeah. It's just like with the chapters and the okay chapters. Could we just address chapters quickly? <laughs> I need sure. to address chapters quickly because you know people don't there ask. Only, there only a couple. I was small handful of people ask, and I'm going to ask because I did it like on two different shows last week. My personal policy um, on chapters is I do them in shows where I think it makes sense. Uh, for like because it enhances a topic in some way so like the upgradees it made sense to me because there were categories Um, when we did the year-end review episode of connected i do it because every month you know it kind of breaks it down that way um i'm personally unsold on doing 
uh, chapters just for every topic in a random episode of Upgrade. Um, I could be changed in the future, but I doubt that because it's a lot more work for me with the way that I edit um, because I don't do a full listen-through edit of this show. Uh, I make notes as we record and go back in and fix things afterwards. We have a wide ranging discussion that com- kind of goes through topics sometimes, and would be it would be very difficult to get all of the stops. I feel like you know we could totally do you know, and it's up to you because it does take extra time. People don't understand that there are technical issues and how you tag. And um, I used to fix things with the incomparable um, before I started doing more bookmarks. Um, if I found a mistake in the episode, I could actually just fix it in an audio editor and then re-encode it as MP3. But the workflow that we use for chapters, you kind of can't do that. You have to re-export it from Logic again. Um, it takes time. It's complicated. You know, we do have a follow-up sponsor topic sponsor ask upgrade kind of structure that could have some basic bookmarks in it but but i i see what you're saying too which is um it's it's for special occasions when there's extra structure that seems fitting for bookmarks and and uh super fine grain kind of bookmark detail is something that that is uh not necessarily worth the extra work and workflow um and just the act of going to any bookmarks is itself take there's a hit in terms of the work that happens there so i don't know i i do them sometimes for incomparable all the time for clockwise because clockwise is very structured um yeah it varies yeah i just i i need extra convincing as to why i should do that like it just doesn't i just don't see Really so elevating. email Mike. Yeah, email me with your reasons. <laughs> uh, listener Martin, what's the likelihood, in your professional opinion, of the Apple Pencil support coming to the iPad Air 3? Uh, very likely, I would say. Yeah, Seems yeah I would likely. say so. Yeah, I would say like 80, 80%, 90%, something like that, that they'll do it with Apple Pencil support and uh, and possibly smart connector too, but certainly Apple Pencil support, it just makes a lot of sense that, that eventually the iPad Air will get it. Why not the next version? It makes that... It makes the iPad Air better. It makes the pencil better. Why not? Um, and listen to Gary. Are English muffins just muffins in England? <laughs> I want to know the answer to this. So I'm happy that listener Gary asked. I'm not 100% sure what I would call that. What Gary is showing me. Because they, they come they come kind of together and then you split them apart or they come pre-split and they've got little uh, as they say the little nooks and crannies in them they're the, the little kind of bubbles and then you toast them and put things on them I I had I had these for breakfast this morning in fact with peanut butter and jelly on them it just looks like a roll to me uh, well next time you're here we're gonna have to give you an English muffin and have you d- name it because <laughs> what we call muffins is what you call muffins okay which is muffins. Like chocolate chip muffins, that kind these of are thing. little. These are little. They're similar to like the like. Uh, there's they also sell Australian toaster biscuits, which are very much like English muffins, but they're different. So you don't you don't even know what these are. I can't get give you a name for them, but they're uh, not muffins. No, they're not muffins. To answer listener Gary, yeah, they're, they're not. not muffins. They, we don't call them the muffins. I don't think. I'm I'm like googling now, and I can't. I cannot give you an answer as to what these things are. Like, I I wouldn't even know what to call them. I think I would probably just call them English muffins. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm completely unhelpful. I don't know what that thing is. 
I don't know. Muffins. According to Wikipedia, they're sold by the name Muffins in all British supermarkets. All British supermarkets. Wow, that's that's pretty <laughs> definitive, Wikipedia. Yeah. I don't think so, Wikipedia. And yeah, maybe they are called Muffins, but that's not what people call Muffins, right? Like, they may be called Muffins. Like, you could call anything a Muffin, but it doesn't... Like, when, when you say to somebody, do you have Muffins? They don't give you these. They give you okay. chocolate chip Muffins, okay. right? Like... You know, it's like I could call my iPhone a muffin if I wanted to. <laughs> All right. But it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that that's what everybody knows as muffins. I hate it, stuff like this on Wikipedia. This is what actually makes Wikipedia a difficult thing. It's like they're not in like every supermarket. I don't even know what they are. So they can't be like, it's not like you go into supermarkets and you can't move for they muffins. Checked. Wikipedia checked and they're available in every supermarket. <laughs> they had somebody go around. If there's a Tesco in Bath that doesn't have them. They're going to delete that comment. Oh, God. That's it. That's it. I thought we'd on end that. on a high note. Oh, definitely. If you want to find our show notes, our lovingly crafted show notes, you go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 70, where you'll also find links to support this show. If you want to, you can do that. And we would love you to become a Relay FM member and consider supporting Upgrade. If you would like to follow us online, Jason is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L on Twitter, and he's over at sixcolors.com. And I am at imike, I-M-Y-K. E, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Casper and Squarespace for sponsoring. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Mr. Snell. Here's a message for all of you fast listeners out there. Goodbye.